Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that focuses on topics related to English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. My name is Steve Sophronis, and I am proud to be the host of Highest Aspirations. This episode is part of our special Look for the Helper series. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood offered some relevant advice for navigating difficult times like these. He said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. The ELL community is full of helpers, and we are proud to amplify their voices as we face the reality of long-term school closures as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. We are committed to keeping you informed and inspired with resources to help you support your English learners. We are stronger together. So if you'd like to share your ideas, inspiration, or simply share your voice, our doors are always open. Just go to bit.ly slash ellhelper to learn more. That's bit.ly slash capital E, capital L, capital L, capital H, E-L-P-E-R. You'll find that link in our show notes as well. Ruben Diaz, thank you so much for joining us on our Look for the Helper series as part of the Highest Aspirations podcast. Absolutely. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you representing uh, a California district. Could you tell us um, where you're calling in from and uh, a little bit about your role? Sure. So again, my name is Ruben Diaz. I'm the Assistant Superintendent for Curriculum and Instruction uh, with Parlier Unified School District. We're a small rural school district out in the uh, middle of California, uh, Central Valley uh, to be specific in Fresno County. Uh, our district, a little bit about it, is uh, we're about 3,500 kids. Uh, our uh, total staff is uh, roughly about uh, 400 staff members. Uh, the, our city, our community is mainly uh, driven by the agricultural community. And um, so our population of migrant workers or migrant students uh, is, is pretty high. Uh, our EL population is roughly about 52, 53%. And we are 99% Latino population. And then we are 99.8% uh, Title I pre-reduced lunch uh, counts. Great. So your perspective is going to be highly valuable for many other districts that find themselves in, in a similar situation with also similar demographics. And we've already actually spoken with a couple rural districts, which I think is great because I, I feel like in some sometimes they, they get left out, which, which we don't want to do. We've talked to a district in New York uh, and North Carolina who are facing similar challenges kind of with their own uh, different texture on there. So speaking of challenges, I, I want to start there. Like what are what are some of the main challenges you're seeing emerge or evolve now that we're into the third or fourth week of this um, as a result of these school closures? So when we first closed, our biggest uh, challenge was going to be how do we continue instruction? How do we continue uh, engaging our kids? Um, you know, when you look at uh, the needs of our students uh, with such a high EL population, uh, really a focus of our students was developing of academic language. And mm -hmm. then uh, and then doing that, especially with EL, you know, one of the key strategies is conversation, getting the kids to practice uh, different vocabulary words that, you know, they're, they're accumulating as time goes on. And so once we, the school closures began, um, we had to go to a, a two tier plan of first, okay, we got to keep the kids engaged in reading and writing and then develop a plan of how we're going to uh, keep practicing and then engaging, um, literally talking with kids, speaking with kids, and then uh, you know practice listening. So we had to roll out our, our instructional plan or our distance learning plan uh, in two tiers. Uh, 
but the the biggest challenge was the second portion of uh, utilizing and understanding. Okay, what are our goals, academic goals that we need to still adhere to, mm-hmm. and then how do we achieve them through what vehicle? Um, you know, we're going to be able to utilize. Yeah. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit. You're, you're the first person that I've talked to who has, I think, explicitly said that it was a two-tier um, uh, sort of rollout. Now, I assume other districts probably did similar things as well. But so you started with the, with the reading and writing. Did you kind of explicitly, um, or I guess deliberately, know that you were going to send information to students in a distance uh, kind of uh, learning way uh, that was just based on reading and writing before you did anything else? Um, well, what we had did, the first thing we did was we actually engaged our teachers uh, in some conversations. And so um, we already have built in PLC uh, because of the size of our district. We took advantage of our grade level PLCs district wide. Right. And what that allowed us to do was sit down with the third grade teachers and go, okay, guys, what is it that we need to, you know, in the short term, still uh, be able to engage our kids with? And so from third grade, fourth grade, all the way through high school, um, they had talked about, well, you know, we literally, the kids were sent home, uh, you know, heck of a day, Friday the 13th, you know, ironically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we sent them home Friday the 13th and then a phone call that night of, and by the way, you're not coming back for three weeks. So, right. I mean, I, there was, and it was similar everywhere. It was just, it, that's yeah. the thing. It was just so sudden. Yeah. So there wasn't a chance for teachers to even say, you know, okay, work on this while you go or take this from your desk. Or, I mean, literally it was kids leaving on a Friday kind of questioning because, you know, of course they're listening to, you know, what's going on up and down the state and the nation. So, um, and so when we were able to convene with our teachers uh, that very next week, um, of course, in the virtual format, um, our teachers really stepped up and said, you know what, look, let's do grade level uh, learning packets, which we're going to go ahead and say, third graders, this is what we need you guys to work on for the next three weeks, fourth graders, fifth graders, all the way through high school. Um, our content departments got together and said, okay, this is what we need. Whether you're a freshman, a junior, or senior, this is what we need our uh, English students or history or whatever it may have been. And so the development of grade level packets uh, started and was completed in three days. And we were able to, uh, because we're also doing a meal program uh, in our district for our community, and we do that daily, um, we were able to get those packets copied and turned around uh, in a span of 24 hours and um, uh, we're able to take them out to where we were doing our meal distribution. So as families came through, and of course we called families, you know, did our uh, district uh, communications deal and let our families know, hey, when you come to hit meal pickup, also we now have work packets ready to go for your students. And um, uh, we ended up distributing 92% of our students were able to pick up a work packet uh, for their kids. And so, um, it, it was a uh, win-win that our kids were excited to do something. Yep. Our parents couldn't wait for their kids to do something. Yeah, I can relate. And yeah, so it was good. So that was a win-win. But what that also did was the teachers and administrators, uh, and our district office team were all able to say, okay, that was part one. That was phase one that held our kids over. And so the packets really contained, uh, some reading passages, some short writing, some math uh, ideas. Nothing new was in there. It was more of uh, remedial practice, just yep. to keep the you know the, the brain going, keep the kids uh, moving. Simultaneously, part two was the development of our online um, uh, classrooms, and so uh, we are a Google district. 
And so our teachers were able to, a majority of our teachers already had a Google presence. And so um, what we were able to do is again, re reconvene our uh, digital platform for PLCs and our teachers again, started sharing ideas, started sharing, okay, what would it look like to have uh, assignments uploaded? And so once that ball got rolling, um, we gave the teachers five days to research, develop, and begin to upload into Google Classroom. And so that was the teacher component of it. Um, simultaneously, so let me, let me stop you for one sec. Sorry. I just want to unpack a couple things. So, so the packets were sent out. Uh, you, you sort of addressed the any equity issues that you might have had in terms of internet access and device by just doing it paper and pencil, um, right. which, which I think a lot of districts and schools have done. And I think that's a, that's a, a great idea. While, while that was happening, you were trying to figure out um, how to get all of the new information that would be sent out and that would maybe include some of that yeah. more interactive stuff online. W along the way, were you also dealing with any sort of questions of um, equity in terms of devices and Wi-Fi? Is that an issue for you all there? I'm, I'm oh, curious. Maybe, maybe you were getting there, but I wanted to hear about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually, let me address one more thing. Going back to the packets. Please do. The other item that came up was special ed. And I know that's a huge issue right now across the country of how we're dealing with special ed. So our uh, student services department um, convened with our RSP and SDC teachers and bless their hearts, what they went and did was for our K-6 kids, they actually created individual packets and mailed them to those families. Wow. So, so when you looked at their IEPs, all those teachers knew their kids' IEPs and went ahead and did it that way. Um, and then for our secondary kids, because of course those kids are in uh, multiple classrooms, and so they went and pulled all the packets for the grade levels and then did um, accommodation packets and, again, mailed them to the families so that any student in the secondary grades um, had accommodation packets to support their learning um, and be able to pull items from uh, the packets that were sent out. So we had to make sure that we addressed the needs of not just, you know, majority of our students, but then, okay, how do we make sure that we're addressing uh, IEP uh, special ed? Right. So that was all within the written packet. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. So then, now looking at equity in terms of so how are we going to get technology out? Um, what we did was uh, we our technology department did a um, rally up and went to every classroom, literally diving into every classroom and pulled. Uh, all of our technology devices back into one central location and did a head count. Um, and what we found was uh, our district had um, quite a bit of, of iPads, quite a bit of Chromebooks, and then a, a smaller pot of MacBooks. And so in working with the teachers, we had said, okay, look, our numbers are this. If we, we've identified based on pure numbers, our two grade levels can uh, take the MacBooks we can do five grade levels of Chromebooks, and then we can do the remaining grade levels of iPads. And so the teachers uh, had all uh, chimed in and said, look, MacBooks should go to high school kids, juniors and seniors. They have higher level classes. Mm -hmm. That's where we'll put those, okay? Uh, sophomores and freshmen would then take Chromebooks. Seventh and eighth graders would take Chromebooks. Sixth graders could take Chromebooks in anticipation of um, you know, higher level uh, learning. And then our first through fifth graders we had enough to do iPads for every single first through fifth grader. And so um, 
we created at every school site. So this was in addition to the meal distribution. Yep. Um, we created literally a drive-through uh, device di- distribution pickup. So we had put our um, agreement notice out online. Uh, we sent it out via text message. We sent it out in the email. Um, and then we actually made uh, copies and put them in front of all the schools, English and Spanish, and told the parents, okay, look, if you can fill this out, um, and it's, uh, you want to talk the most simplistic manner that our technology department came up with. Um, we printed out barcodes and then printed out the the matching barcode on stickers. So as the parents came through with their filled out agreement, all we did was we took the sticker of the uh, barcode, put it on their letter, scanned it, scanned the barcode of the device in our, um, uh, inventory system. Now they're married. Okay. We'll take your letter. Here's the device. Thank you very much. And off they went. So now we know the device who it exactly belongs yeah. to. Um, and then talk the about in, innovation, you know, in a quick, yeah. you know, how this the whole thing's breeding innovation in so many different ways. Well, yeah. And so we were able to uh, track. Now, the other thing we put on that agreement form was uh, do you need access to Wi Fi? Now, we had already done a, a, a parent survey and found out that about, we were at about 93% of our families in our community. Um, have access to Wi-Fi and internet. So yep. when we're looking at 7%, uh, you're, you're looking at roughly maybe 100, uh, maybe 110 uh, hotspots. And so we were able to work with uh, two of our local uh, companies, technology companies, um, who were able to, at, at a severely discounted rate, were able to provide us those hotspots. And so uh, we'll distribute those hotspots when we return from spring break. Great. I mean, uh, everything that I, I keep thinking, what an incredible team effort this has been. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, just the, the, these difficulties breeding innovation. And I also like it how you mentioned, you know, you, you've kind of covered all your bases. It sounds like you're going to distribute those hotspots. That's kind of the last step in making sure everybody yeah. has access and it's equitable um, and bringing in local tech companies to do that. I've heard that from a lot of people. So you're talking, you're talking teacher collaboration, family engagement, community engagement, bringing everybody together. Um, to, uh, to make this happen. So it sounds like you're preparing now for uh, getting those hotspots out um, after your spring break and thinking about that this is probably going to go on for a while. I'm not familiar yet with California off the top of my head. Where are you in terms of when you're supposed to go back and what are you really thinking? So our governor really believes in uh, local control. So he is, uh, Governor Newsom has uh, pretty much given that local uh, authority to the school districts to make themselves. Uh, some counties in California have just, uh, the county superintendent has made that decision for the county. Um, our Fresno County superintendent has decided, no, we're gonna leave it to the school districts. Right now in California, majority of the schools have shut down, uh, and have, or at least have announced through May 1st. You're starting to see in the last week, week and a half, um, some of the bigger school districts are now making the decision to close the buildings for the remainder of the academic year. Right. So, um, like LA Unified has made that decision, San Diego, Ventura County, um, locally here closer to us, Fresno Unified has made that decision. And so, um, you know, as larger districts make that decision, um, it's going to prompt the smaller ones to start considering it. Sure. And given that, uh, that we were kind of in a little bit of an unknown right now, but given that this could be long-term, what else aside from those hotspots are you sort of preparing for from an administrative level and, and, and telling your, uh, your teachers, your families, and your students? 
So at this point right now, the, the communication we're trying to get out there, one is that we want to make sure, you know, they understand, hey, school isn't over. It's that the buildings are closed. And yep. so there's a big difference there. Um, and so that's the that's one of the just key messages that we're getting out there um, and trying to keep our kids engaged. Um, and the reason why we went to device was, um, and we planned it so that we could try to get it in the hands of a uh, you know, majority of our students, was that eventually at some point our teachers really do want to be face to face with the kids. And so, you know, in this new world of, um, uh, you know, telecommunications, um, this is the best way for our teachers to do it. And so uh, what we have planned on, and this was the teachers coming up with this uh, uh, schedule, was that in order for them to meet with the kids, engage with the kids, and ensure that um, learning is going on, our elementary teachers proposed a schedule of which they would be uh, visually online with them four days a week uh, for two hours a day. In the mornings, they'll cover from 9.30 to 10.30, and that focus will be on reading and language arts. And then in the afternoons from 11.30 to 12.30, uh, they'll be uh, focusing on math and science. And so they'll do, uh, they've come up with a math lab, a science lab, uh, doing some STEAM activities. Um, and so some different ideas that we've seen uh, up in their Google pages uh, that they've already planned for the entire week. And so uh, our teachers really got creative with it. But at the end of the day, uh, one of the things we did with our teachers was uh, in this planning mode, we also provided uh, each day a different training that we put on a uh, in a Google Classroom, or I'm sorry, in a Google Meet space. And so the teachers could log in. So there was rooms where we had 30, 40 teachers involved in a professional development, if you will. Uh, one of them was um, uh, uploading videos to Google Classroom. Another yep. one was uh, attaching your gradebook to Google Classroom. But then we also had some EL folks uh, supporting, um, engaging EL strategies, still doing differentiated uh, instruction or integrated instruction. And so uh, knowing that we were going online, that's where the focus was. And so now you're seeing where some of the teachers have actually sent in invites to our EL students for small group instruction because they want to have conversations with them and still focus on the conversation strategy, the listening strategy, the speaking strategy, and that use of academic language so that our EL students uh, don't really fall behind because they're not practicing academic language. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like, you know, number one, you've said throughout this entire conversation, you've talked about leveraging teacher expertise and you've talked about your teachers and, and commended them, and rightly so, many times. Um, but also, you know, credit goes to uh, administrators for, for, for leveraging that and for giving teachers the power to kind of um, create what they think is best for their students, even if we are in kind of a, a different world and a new world for many. Um, really love, and I've heard from a lot of people talk about the idea of um, PD online, this kind of virtual PD. It gives teachers maybe some more flexibility, some more options, the ability to maybe teach other teachers different things. And and the other thing that you mentioned, I've heard this a couple times now, and it's really inspiring for me as someone who was a foreign language teacher for many, many years in high school and now is in the EL space, is that you're seeing collaboration between content teachers uh, and and EL teachers in a more um, organized way because it has to happen if, because if it doesn't happen in this, under these circumstances, like you mentioned, the result is this, is this, this incredible loss that we see sometimes over the summer, but now might be, might be more so. And that, yeah. that kind of leads me to my, my last question. These, these are all positives, I think. Um, 
And so I'm, I'm curious what you think from your perspective as an administrator um, in this particular district, what, what positive things other than the ones that maybe we've mentioned here, have you been observing? And there's a lot, you've just mentioned a tremendous amount. And I guess the more important part of the question is, is what, what do you hope will continue if we look a year from now or when the next school year starts and hopefully this is all behind us, what trends do you hope will continue and that we'll remember and hold on to? Well, I, I think one of the, the biggest potential items out there is that teachers are now learning a whole new repertoire of skills. Um, you know, quite a few of, uh, teachers have dabbled in technology, have dabbled in flipped classrooms, have dabbled in uploading videos and, you know, whatnot. But, you know, majority of our teaching staff, especially in, you know, in our veterans, um, you know, they, they're tried and true and, you know, you, you uh, tend to deliver your lesson plan, you know, kids, as the uh, kids are going to follow you, they're going to follow the teacher um, and go that route. So I think what's happening here is now you're seeing teachers um, almost forced into trying something different, trying something new and, you know, kind of going like a Dr. Seuss, Hey, I kind of like green eggs and ham. Um, It's different. And so when the online community has really been, you know, for um, uh, upper education has been in high school, has been in uh, junior college, community college and university level, online learning has not had a huge presence in elementary. And so I think one of the huge, uh, huge components I think going forward is now going to be elementary teachers being able to say, you know what, my first and second graders and third graders, they are capable of at home looking at a video for their homework. And instead of sending them home with homework packets and saying, okay, you know, it's because I personally have a third grader and I see his homework packet every week and you're like, oh, okay, you know, yep, yep. it's busy work. But now with this, you know, this experience is going to show teachers, hey, wait a second, you could do a whole different world of items, have the kids watch a video, have the kids look up something, have the kids, you know, do some, uh, some research. And then when you come back the next day, Let's talk about what you saw last night. What the video did you see? What did you research? What did you pull from? That's a whole different ballgame versus go home and do these, uh, you know, 25 uh, multiplication problems in under a minute. Um, I, I think that's where our society is now going is we need kids that are going to be able to problem solve, research, critically think. And I think this is going to really open that door for our elementary kids to start getting exposed to those skills versus waiting until they get to high school. And by then, you know, they're, they're already behind in terms of trying to research and, and uh, utilize those critical thinking skills. And I would add, as a, as a 17-year high school teacher, um, you know, that they're, 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 the students at that point are used to being taught a certain way, and, and it's hard for them to adjust. So right. I completely agree with everything you just said. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see another, you know, in my career in education, I don't, I don't see another thing that has happened in, certainly in, in my generation or maybe anyone's really, that will right. have the impact that this has if we decide to look at it and leverage it and really make the changes that, uh, that you just described. Absolutely. Well, Ruben, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, giving us your perspective. It sounds like you're doing some, some amazing things out there and we'll, um, we'll provide uh, any resources that you want to share to folks so that they can, uh, they can look onto it. But I'm sure that uh, all of our listeners left with some inspiration and some ideas. So thanks so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.